0: It's like trying to get the cat back in the bag, it's very hard. You you're you're in time. You're on time. This weekend is my one year anniversary at my shop No, congratulations. And you're doing well? You guys doing well there? Good. But you do enough business to stay open. Oh my God. It makes them look good. Yeah. That's not an easy business to, well, I, to and I run cleaning business. So. Yeah. yeah a no, I can't. Yeah, it is. Congratulations. Thank you. And I'm Because that's the kind of business that you could easily not make money at. Oh yeah. yeah. Especially now. I don't think I've seen, like, any of these people in my <laughs> I know, I know. All right, praise the Lord. You notice my wife's not back to her seat yet. Nothing. Not, never mind. Never mind. Yeah, I did. All right. Praise the Lord. I wanted to talk to you. I'd be able to get it. A... Rod's good to see you. Good morning. Good to see you. All right. If you have your Bibles. Turn to Malachi, chapter 4, I'll just probably start with verse 1, and I think this week, rather than preach halfway through my message and then read scripture, I think I'll just read some scripture, we'll get started that way, boy, it's so tempting not to, (laughs) I'm just ready to go. (laughs) But i will malachi 4 verse 1 for behold the day is coming burning like an oven and all the proud yes all who do wickedly will be stubble and the day which is coming shall burn them up says the lord of hosts that will leave them neither root nor branch but to you who fear my name. Someone say, that's me. If it's not, say it will be before the service is over. (laughs) To you who fear my name. You know, the fear of the Lord is not just an Old Testament concept. Did you know that? Some people think it is. Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 5, knowing the terror of the Lord. That's his words. We persuade men. The son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and shall you shall go out and grow fat like calves let loose from a stall. You shall trample the wicked, and they shall be ashes under your feet. The soles of your feet, on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts, remember the law of Moses, my servant. Someone say we're under grace which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. I wasn't going to leave with this, but I'm going to. I was in uh, the Five and Below yesterday in Pickerington. Not really trying to put down a store or anything, but that's where I was. And I went to this section. Anybody ever been there? And I actually posted uh, these things on Facebook and Instagram. And I was just so amazed because there's two sections of the book. One's kind of self-help and the other one. There's all these books, and they're geared for your children. Someone say, my children. They're geared for your grandkids. They're colorful, they're bright, they're, you know, real concise. They're so nice that I wanted to buy one. They're so pretty. But you look at the titles, and it's uh, reading the tarot, and how to manifest your dreams. Not in a good way. And um, how to grow as a psychic. And there, one is Mercury in retrograde. And you kids ever see these things? And I'm looking and I'm thinking, man, and there's more. There's, you know, the LGBT. I can't get all the letters right. But the, the community, all, there's books. And they're all with one message. And that message is for the destruction of your children. And I think sometimes how far afield we've got as a culture, as a culture. I know in here, most of you are probably on top of that. I really believe that. And I mentioned last week, in some ways, you know, you're really preaching to the choir a lot of times when you come to church, because most of the time, we're all on the same page, but if we're not parents, you need to be careful where your kids shop and and what they pick up and buy because the Bible and the law of Moses and even though we're not under the law of Moses, the law does tell us what sin is, doesn't it? Amen. And the uh, law of Moses says that God detests witchcraft, says it's an abomination. Yeah. Hey, yes. Um, there's a shop in downtown Mount Vernon. It's a soul. Yeah. No no I know on the TV or the podcast you didn't hear that but sister brought up in Mount Vernon they're having classes for baby witches for $35 right how to cast spells and there were book there were books on casting spells too in this pile and there you go right there in conservative Mount Vernon square. on the square this is our communities this is our culture And it's our children that they're after. And even beyond that, since your kids are in church, hopefully they're learning the danger. In the Law of Moses, he said that those things are an abomination. Peeping and wizards and stargazing and horoscopes and all these things. And I'll tell you why it's an abomination. Because demons are involved in it. Tarot card reading. Anybody ever as a kid ever do the Ouija board? Anybody ever had it, have it do things? I did. It was doing stuff. Like it was, that was weird, but it was really doing stuff. Guys, evil spirits get involved in that type of thing. But I will tell you that was so obvious and I thought, wow, and I we were with our granddaughter I was so glad because we always let her get three things at the you know five and below like go get three things and she does I was so glad she wasn't drawn at all to that table didn't have any interest in it and it made me happy but I was thinking about her and I'm thinking about all kids and let alone the kids that their parents don't take them to church or they don't know the Lord and they go into those stores and they go into those activities And they're inundated with demonic. Before they even know what it is, they're already inundated with the demonic. And I'll tell you something even worse is when parents give their kids a phone and they have no boundaries on that phone, no borders on that phone, and everything that I saw at the store and everything that you're at, well, yours was on Facebook, advertised on Facebook. It's all on there, and when you hand your kids a phone without any supervision, you are turning your kids over to a world of demonic activity, not to even mention pornography. Your kids, you don't even know when they're being exposed. How do some of your kids, and I know it's, it's, it's happened in here, they say right now it used to be I can't I don't want to mess up the statistics, but it used to be like one in I don't know how many kids were transgender and now it's like one in five or something something crazy that they have that ambivalence, and it's because they're being taught, because they're being encouraged, and also kids are always looking for an identity. How many knows that? Now if you're if you're raising your children and the nurture and the fear of the Lord it's no guarantee that they won't take a wrong turn there's there's because even kids that are raised good sometimes go the wrong way but how much more kids that aren't being taught about God they don't know who they are maybe they're not as smart maybe they're not as attractive maybe they're not as athletic and they're trying to find some identity and that's a great way to get some attention it's a great way to be different it's a great way to express yourself And all these different ways, the problem is, is that it's demonic. These things are demonic. And it actually destroys people and destroys life. You know, last week, and I went home and I listened to my message, and it's so hard sometimes to communicate because you can go wrong to the right or the left. I talked about when I talk to people that have these issues in their life, I don't beat them with the club when I'm talking to someone one-on-one because I want to win them to Jesus. I'm always reaching out and I love people and I want to tell them about Jesus. But on the other hand, when there's an agenda by a political organization and they're trying to get into your schools and they're trying to get into your kids, then, then you have to take a stand. Do you know the difference? Making a stand against a movement that's trying to force you into certain activities, the church has to take a stand against those things. But when i'm talking to people i said i'm i'm gentle with people i really want people to come to the lord i'll give you another example it happened yesterday and this is i'm thinking about this i was in um skyline with a person that's different than us this person different with me and pam were there and our waiter comes up and i remembered him from before and i remembered he was a homosexual male Now, the last time I had talked to him, I had talked to him about Jesus, and I talked to him at length, and I uh, asked him about if he knew anybody that had a church that they they went to, and 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 he said, yeah, he had had a friend, and his friend had actually just recently invited him to church, and I encouraged that young man uh, to go to church, and I reached out to him, because I want to see him saved. I want to see him give his life to Jesus and see how Jesus can transform him. But, you know, I don't remember why, and me and Pam couldn't think, but for whatever reason, I couldn't leave him a tip. And it was like I was, only had cash or something, or maybe I was running, and I, I didn't have my wallet, but I had cash. So I apologized, and I told him I would come back and give him a tip. And so, and I don't live in Columbus, but it was about a month or two later, I went back, and I, he wasn't there, and I gave a lady... I said, this is for this gentleman. Make sure he gets this tip. I promised him I'd give him a tip. Well, lo and behold, this is a year later? I don't know. It's a while, quite a while later, I go back in there, and he's my waiter again. Isn't that great? So I get another chance, and I said, did you get my tip? And he said, yes, I did, and I remember you. Isn't that good? So I kept my word to him, and then... um, I'll just say everybody at my table wasn't on the same page, but then I did have a time. I said, hey, I need to talk to you. And he goes, oh, no, I need to sit down. (laughs) That's what he said. And I don't want want to get too far afield, but I said, I want to talk to you about Jesus. He goes, I knew you were going to say that. I asked him if he had gone to church, and I didn't get a, a a lot of time with him. And I shared that so you know my heart and it should be our heart. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that should be our heart always, to seek and to save. When Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn, I came to save, he meant it. And yet we know that we're in a real battle in culture, and it is a fine line. So I have no problem with people standing up in culture and saying, hey, you know, don't bring that into our schools, or my kids aren't studying witchcraft, or we're not going to go that way, and standing up. But I always think a Christian should be identified primarily and predominantly by their love life, loving people, caring about people. Peter said, we're standing up in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation. Paul said, we're standing up in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation, and we are shining like lights. The Christ, this is why, and I, I can't get off on, this is why I hate fear and fear-mongering for Christians. I know certain Christians, were, they, they're going to hide for the next 20 years and hide from the Antichrist and I hate that message of fear. We should be aggressively going out into the world and letting our light shine unapologetically. When you have the truth, you don't have to be ashamed of it. And if we really know the Lord, and we really know that he's real, we don't have to back down to anyone because we have the truth. We were teaching on marriage this morning. You know, the world has all these views about marriage that are not correct and they're not right. We don't have to be ashamed to say one man, one woman, a godly offspring, raising godly kids. Amen. We don't have to be ashamed of that. That's what we believe. We believe that sexual union is a priceless, passionate, beautiful thing made for one man and one woman. And so they can have offspring and raise a godly seed. Amen. We don't have to be ashamed of the truth. Buy the truth and don't sell it. yet when i approach people i want to bring them the hope of jesus christ i want to be a light arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord has risen and i'll tell you the word of god says perfect love cast out fear fear has torment when we really get an idea of jesus being born to die born he knew when he was born and raised he knew that his chief mission he was born to die he knew that he was going to be a sacrifice for all of humanity and his whole life was birthed out of that idea and that thought and that that he was going to give his life a ransom for many and he is our example That we are to lay down our lives for our brethren and we are to lay down our lives for the lost. I said recently, anybody see my Facebook post about witnessing? Anybody you watch that? I said, when I go to talk to people, I said, if I don't have a genuine love and concern for people, I will never witness to them. If I just want to argue with somebody, I am not going to share Jesus with them, it's too terrifying. I have to allow the Lord to work in my heart where this person with, you know, and it has green hair and they're wearing something, I don't care about that. But I have to go up to them knowing that I care about that person as a human being created in the image of God, destined to an eternity, either with Jesus or in hell. And it's a serious thing. We believe the Bible, so we believe the whole thing. So I approach that person, I am approaching them because my desire is to please my Lord and Savior. Hey, I want you to know Jesus. Look, I was worse than any person in this room, and I really believe it. You don't know the things I did. I would be so ashamed to have to tell you the stuff that I did. I'd be completely ashamed. Unforgiven. My sins are gone, Pam. Pam, am I even the same guy I used to be? I'm not, there's a song, I referenced it by Brandon Heath. Kids, look it up. It's a great song. It's I'm Not Who I Was by Brandon Heath. I am not who I was. Brother Justin, I'm not who I'm going to be, but I'm not who I was. I know that if I keep looking at Jesus, I'm gonna become more and more like Jesus. And Jesus didn't live for the stuff and Jesus did not live for himself. Jesus is truly the man for others. Why are you reading out of Malachi talking about Jesus? Because we said last week, Charlie, a third of us are praying for revival. Anybody praying for revival? Revival starts, 1 Peter 4, 17, judgment begins at the house of God. Any change that's going to come, godly change that's going to come to this country is going to come because of the priests and king's That are in this room and in rooms like it all across this nation where people are worshiping a living god and as priests they are willing to do their priestly duty to intercede for the lost and as kings command and as priests intercede and stand in the gap for their loved ones their neighbors and their world But the first thing the Lord does is he looks in his church. He says, I, people are praying for revival and I want it more than you do. This is my creation, it's not yours. And I want revival more than you. And he begins to look through his church. His eyes are going to and fro and says, who will speak for me and who will go for me? Who will talk for me? Who will pray for me? Who will talk to their neighbor about Jesus? Who will feed the hungry? Who will let go of their agenda and take up mine? Paul said everybody is just seeking their own, not the things of Jesus Christ, except for Timothy. Except for Timothy. He has your interest in mind. Who will go for me? Who can I send? And if you can't go, who will pray? Who will pray? So we're praying for revival, want revival. Revival is going to come when the church gets revived. And honestly, the New Testament and the Old Testament for revival is repent. Repent. The last word that the Lord gave to his people And I'm going to call the Old Testament Jewish nation, we're God's people, and we're God's people now, anybody that names the name of Christ, the last word that God gave his people before he came in the person of Jesus was, repent. I am going to send Elijah, and he is going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the kids, and the kids back to the fathers, or else this earth is going to be cursed. Families without a dad, look, if that's you and your life's been that way, I can only tell you my life's been worse. I'm not clubbing you. That's not in my heart. Families without dads, I was a single parent for five years, four or five years until Pam came into my life. It was my own doing. I, I caused that. That was my doing kids without mothers kids with three dads kids at and I know from being around young kids kids 9 years old already on the internet looking at pornography maybe they're getting it from their parents and these things are already out there and it will bring a curse on any nation because these are the kids, without a revival, without evangelism, without something sweeping, changing, we can go hide in our houses, and we can go hide somewhere, but it will not change the culture. And people will not get saved. We're not going to hide. I'm not going to hide. You know, didn't you sing those songs, I'm not going to hide my light under a bushel? I'm not going to let the devil snuff it out i'm not going to hide it under a bushel i am going to be a light jesus is going to be so pleased with you when you do when you decide that you're going to have revival the last message to god's people we always think the message to the world is repent and in a way that's not true and i can prove it even in the scriptures in a way you got to hear me the message of repentance is always to the people of god malachi and all the prophets and their message if you've been here tuesday you would have learned it their message was to repent over and over but they were going to the people of god And that's what peter said he said if if the godly are scarcely that the christians believers are scarcely saved what's going to happen to the ungodly when john the baptist came after a long 400 year silence And when Jesus came, the first thing that came out of their mouth was repent. "Repent." Who was he talking to? Gentiles? No, he was talking to the people of God. He said, I'm coming. And I'm coming in power. And I'm coming with my kingdom. Repent. And he was healing people and he was demonstrating God's grace. He was forgiving sins. And the people were coming to him from all over. And the power of God was being demonstrated on the message of repentance. Why do we repent? Because the kingdom of God is coming in power. And it was a great demonstration of that power on that message to repent. And it was to the people of God only. Jesus said, I am only come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's it. My people. I'm coming to my people. I will deal with the Gentile nations, but I'm first dealing with my people. And as I've taught that book of Matthew, it's a book of promise and it's a book of judgment. Jesus as a prophet and more than a prophet is saying judgment's coming to my house. Repent. And then healing and miracles and grace and God's true character to forgive to be gracious, to have mercy, was being just. There weren't weren't any lines of who was living right. They lined up, and he healed them. And he's announcing things are changing. So the message was repent. You know, and I don't have a lot of time to go into it. Peter preached the same thing on the day of Pentecost. Acts two thirty eight. What did he say? Who was he preaching to? God's people. God's people. In chapter 3 of the book of Acts, I'll just read a little bit. Chapter 3, he says in verse 19, who's he preaching to? God's people. He says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, that there will be times of refreshing that will come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. Saying repent. You notice, and I don't have time because I've got to get the revelation. But if you will notice in chapter 10, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles, Peter didn't say anything about repenting. The Gentiles need to repent, they need to turn from idols and serve God. But he said, as in the middle of his preaching about Jesus, preaching to them about Jesus, before they were even water baptized, when they were standing there hearing the gospel about Jesus, the Holy Spirit was poured out right then. Read it. And they got filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, and we were magnifying God. That was the Gentiles. Acts 16, 31. Please look it up. I think it was the Philippian jailer. Look it up. Talking to Paul. And he said, What do we have to do to be saved? What did Paul tell him? Did he say repent and be baptized? They got baptized. That's the part of the thing. There's no doubt about it. They got baptized. What did he tell them to do? He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And they believed and as many as believed were baptized. Gentile repentance or non-believer repentance is different than Christian repentance. It really is. If you're not saved, you need to turn away from your unbelief. You do need to turn from sin, but you need to receive Jesus. Because you're, I mean, I, I'm saying this respectfully because you're dumber than six o'clock. You really are. We talk about marriage this morning. I'm telling you, people in our culture don't even know what marriage is about. They have no idea about their, they can't repent for what they're doing because they don't know anything about marriage. They don't know why God instituted it. They don't know, They most of them don't know that reading a book on manifesting stuff out of your, guru they don't even know that's wrong they don't know they're dumber than six o'clock they need to turn from their idols and receive jesus and about three months down the road all of a sudden some preacher will come up and say repent and they'll know what he's talking about like oh yeah i do need to repent i need to get my life together charles you were saved recently the message to you try not know anything about you repent receive jesus now who's been dealing with you yeah. right yeah. the holy ghost dealing with him changing his life changing him because oh man oh yeah i got to live different they turned from idols to receive jesus is what they did why well, i i'm bringing this up because the message of repentance although we get great joy on preaching it to the culture and the culture does need to change it's ridiculous but that message is first to the church flip over to revelation because i got to get there, the book of Revelation. Jeff would be proud of me. I didn't call it Revelations. I always put an S there. Jeff taught me that there's no S there. I can't go over all of this. And as I said, whenever I preach a message, I always got you know, dozens, if not hundreds, of scriptures on the side that I can't get to. I just That's the way the Lord does me. He, immer- he immerses me in it. i'll just start with chapter 2 verse 2. we're going to tap on it today i can't get into it totally but the first thing that jesus says to the to the loveless church the church at ephesus he says i know your works how are we saved By by grace through faith without jesus says i know your works because real salvation produces works real faith changes you it may not be at my pace i'm not your judge i say and i this is why when i preach repentance i want to be real tender toward new believers because new believers they're usually excited and hungry for god and they're really getting after it they want to change some of us old salts that are kind of locked in to what we're locked into. I want to be gentle, because I'm telling you, God's not mad at you. I'm telling you, His grace is for you to receive, to grow. Amen, Amen. that's the truth. But He says, I know your works, and do you know, and I want to say say this, out of seven churches, Jesus corrected five two of them he commended so in this crowd i said it last week if you were listening carefully in this crowd there's some of you that this shoe may not fit you you may be on fire like a tornado and the lord really he's saying hey uh, you're doing good he may be looking at you saying you're doing good i i just keep it up because two of the churches that's what he said you're doing great keep it up so if you're doing great i'm not hey who am i keep doing great keep being awesome But if you're not doing great, and there's things in your life that the Lord is dealing with and you're ignoring it, He said, I know what you're doing, I know what you're up to, and frankly, I'm I'm not happy with it. He told one church, I cannot believe that people actually believe that Jesus is not a judge. He's talking to the church, He told one church, I'm going to remove your candlestick. That doesn't sound like someone that's not a judge. God's wrath, I got too much to preach, Ken. God's wrath is not poured out on the church. He already, Jesus bore your wrath. He bore that condemnation. There's no wrath for the believer unless you jump ship. There's no wrath for the believer. Hang on. There's no wrath for the believer. But God is a judge. He does correct and he does chasten. And he's looking for change in your life. I got a lot of scriptures on chastening. I don't have time to go into them. The Lord does correct, and he does judge. And he says to some churches, I'm gonna remove your candlestick. But even for this, uh, most of these churches, he says over and over, we'll go down to verse five. Remember from where you have fallen, would someone read that next word for me? Repent, repent. Repent. The last book in the Old Testament ended with, hey, you guys gotta repent. And then the last book in the New Testament ends with, you guys got to repent. And they were both to the people of God because judgment begins at the house of God. If you go through, I don't, I'm going to read one more. If you go through, he tells all these churches, he says, to repent unless, unless they were doing well. I want to read about the corrupt church Thyatira and that's all I have time for today. It's chapter two, verse 18. He said, the angel to the church in Thyatira, these things says the son of God, who has eyes like flames of fire and feet like fine brass. I know you I know what you're doing. Do you know on that day, you're not going to stand before God. There's no baloney. There's no baloney, not me. I am very aware. I, J- Justin, I live with the I do. I live with the awareness. I'm up here preaching to you guys. I live with the awareness. I'm gonna stand before all y'all, before God. And if there's any baloney, it, it ain't gonna it ain't gonna pass. Okay? I, I know that. I, I mean I know I live with that con- I'm not I don't live in condemnation. I'm not I don't live in like that fear, like I live with with respect for that idea that I will stand before God. And I will answer, that'll be probably our last verse today. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman, Jezebel, doesn't matter if it's a woman or a man, it's a spirit behind it. So you know that. It's an Old Testament uh, uh, example that, that Jesus is bringing in. Something out of the Old Testament. She allows, calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, repent for her sexual immorality. And she did not repent. repent. She didn't do it, but I gave her time to. Indeed, I will cast her into a bed of affliction and those that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they, of their what? Their deeds. Is he talking to his people, or is he talking to somebody else? His people. He's talking to his people. There's going to be a judgment seat for believers. How many know that? And something I've been preaching for a long time, and trust me, I am not. Like, if you're living right and you're good and there's no condemnation for those in Christ, the message of repentance is for those that want revival and they want God to draw near and they're willing to repent and to change their behavior. I believe, I look out at you guys, to me, y'all look like angels. Y'all, I don't see, I'm not here, I don't... Have anything in mind about anybody in here that you're living wrong? You say you want revival. We say we want revival. The message of revival is to repent. Does that sound to you like Jesus isn't a judge? Does, does it? It doesn't to me. And in fact, and I, and I really don't have time because I, there's other scriptures that say that too. Now listen, I love Jesus. And I walk with Jesus, and I have fun. We fellowship, and I enjoy my fellowship and time with him. And I like to keep very short books with the Lord. He has never been hard on me. Even when I really, really needed to repent, he was always always wooing me back and being gentle, always. He's never been hard. I remember a pastor saying how God talked to him. He's never talked to me that way. He's always been gentle with me. Son, come on. Come on. What are you doing? But he always brought me, by the grace of God, to repentance. It's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. Amen? I'm saying this because the message that I preach all the time, one of the chief things that the church... i got to tell you guys this stuff. I... You can't be a good pastor and not tell people this stuff, that you're going to stand before God. You can't. One of the chief things, when you stand before God, and when I stand before God, the Lord's going to ask you, did you do what I was asking of you? Did you fulfill your calling in your life? It could to be a mom, to be a Christian mom, a Christian dad. It could be to be an evangelist, a pastor, a prophet. It could be to be a businessman. It could be many different things in your life could be ministering in the church, serving in the church. There's many different things that the Lord could be calling, but the Lord has a purpose for your life and a plan, and I really believe the, the most important thing to the Lord is did you do what I was asking you to do? Some days the biggest thing God has for me to do is love my mom. I mean it. Love my mom. Now some days that is my calling Mostly happens on Fridays. The call and make sure, Brad, you love your mother. You be good. That's one of my callings. I have other ones. That's not my only one. It's to love my mother. Share your faith, Brad. Why didn't you share your faith? You know I was nudging you. Why didn't you do it? Eh, I was lazy. I want us to understand the things that are at stake you see the culture we know what's going on out there we know the agendas we all say we agree on those things are you praying for the culture are you praying for people you asked me about the woman that you know that this morning was asked about a woman and she's jumping out of her marriage and are we talking to people not beating them up over the head but are we talking to people and trying to guide them the right way. Are we sharing our faith? What are we doing? I know many of you are. I want revival, and revival starts with the church, and that's taking our relationship with God seriously and honestly and saying, Lord, what did Paul say when the Lord knocked him off his horse? What did he say? Said, who out there, Lord? He says, what do you want me to do? He says, go to, go to Jerusalem and I'll tell you what I have for you to do. Amen? Go to Jerusalem and I'll tell you what I have for you to do. He spent the rest of his life finding out what the Lord had for him to do. I want revival. And I'll tell you why revival starts this way vertical with God. And some of you, you're judgment day ready right now. I'm sure of it. I'm sure you're you're judgment day ready. You're just ready to go. Maybe some others aren't. But when we get this right, right here, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want you to talk to your wife better. All right, Lord, I hear you. I want you to knock off the pornography. Yes, Lord, it's killing you and your family. I want you to overcome your fear and share your faith. That's what I made you for. Oh, yes, Lord, help me. Be merciful. What do you want me to do, Lord? I want you to serve in your church. Brother Brad needs you. Yes, Lord. I hear. When we get this right, and many of you have it right, all of a sudden this right here, the horizontal relationships They get right they get right because when you love god you love people people are born or birthed into the image of god that means to me people look like god i'm not even thinking physically but people look like god john says clearly when you get this right you're going to start loving people you're going to care about their eternal welfare you're gonna care that Jesus cares about them and that's gonna get you doing whatever you're made to do to live in your purpose. Let me read the scripture and I'll, I'll close. It's out of 2 Corinthians 5. I don't view God as a hard taskmaster at all. I don't. I don't see God that way. My greatest joy is when I'm walking in the light with him. That's my greatest joy, when I'm walking in the light with him. The easiest thing to do for me is to share Jesus when I'm walking in the light with him. It's just as natural, just natural, because I love Jesus. It just come right out of me. I won't be able to help myself if I'm walking in right this. I don't look at him that way. What happens is I preached several weeks ago, these battles are really battles for our heart. Like, where's our focus? Why are we living? What's my... The parable of the sower is the greatest message, and I am closing. The parable of the sower is the greatest message because what Satan does in the parable of the sower is he attacks the human heart, tries to distract you, get you to lose focus, tempt you with sin, puts pressure on you to give up, to quit, has people come against you, burns the seed before it ever produces anything in your heart, burns it out, He's after your heart, because the real battle is the battle of your heart. That's why we're saved by faith without work, because when our heart's right, we're going to do by nature what God wants us to do, because our heart's right. And your body and mouth will follow your heart. That's why you're saved by confessing Jesus as Lord, because now your mouth is following your heart. You guys prayed today, Jesus, you're my Lord. That's your heart talking. Mouth follows heart, behavior follows heart, works follow heart. Let me read this so I can end. Second Corinthians 5, 9. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. That's Paul's goal. I want Jesus... I want Jesus to say, I know if I asked you to all probably raise your hands, how many of you want to hear Jesus say, well done? I do. I've been wanting that since I got saved. I say, Lord, that's the one thing. Everything else is negotiable, but when I die, I want to hear you say, well done, Brad. I want to hear it. How about you? You're going to want to hear it. We just see how amazing Jesus is. To make it my goal, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is to the church, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. He didn't say you were going to go to hell. This isn't the, the great white throne judgment. This is the believer's judgment. This is where he judges us. The Lord of the church looks at you, and he's gonna, it says here, you're going to receive the things done in the body, according to what has been done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror, I wouldn't use that word if I was Paul. I don't know why he used terror. I wouldn't use it, but Paul did. The terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I trust also to your consciences. So Paul was saying, church, and God loves you, and he's very gracious to you right now, Charles. God's very gracious to you. He is. He's really happy with you. Keep moving forward. Church, we're all going to stand before the Lord. So how are we doing? You may say, Brad, I'm on fire. I'm doing great. You may say, I'm not doing as great. Make up your mind now so you don't stand before Jesus and think, oh Lord, I didn't listen to my pastor. Make up your mind now that the thief who came to steal, kill, and destroy your eternal reward more than your temporary reward—you steal them both. You're re- don't let him do it. Don't let him steal your eternal reward. Don't let him do it. And don't let him. Let what one man say. Don't let anyone steal your crown. Don't let him steal your crown. You got a crown. Don't let the devil steal it. So I'm going to end in prayer. Here's what we're going to do, because honestly, if I gave an altar call, probably 90% of us need to be up at the altar, and probably about one person might walk up, so we're all going to pray, and if there's nothing that you need to repent or changes that need to be made in your life, that's wonderful, it really is. Your pastor's making them all the time, <laughs> yeah, I'm making the all the time, making these changes, okay, Lord. I haven't arrived yet. I haven't. I always got to be honest about that. I, I don't do everything I know to do. I, I really want to do better. I, I got to get with the Lord more and let him work. I want to be, when I die, Justin, I'll tell you this. When I die, I want to be so on fire for Jesus, I'm just fearless. Just fearless. I still get afraid sometimes. But I want to be fearless. I want to be able to look anybody in the eye and say, Jesus, it's Jesus, buckaroo, Okay. If there's things that you are on your heart, I just want you to pray, and the Lord's going to call you into your closet, right? And He's going to call you into your Bible. That could be one thing. You're not reading the Word, and you're not praying. And prayer isn't a duty. It's, an, it's, a, it's a love relationship with Jesus where you get to spend time with Jesus. You guys don't have any trouble spending time with your girlfriends, do you? No, you don't. All right, so we're going to pray. Father, here's my, my prayer for this church and anybody visiting, Lord. It's not what, what I say, Lord. Your word says that we're all going to stand before you and give an account for our life. I really believe there's many in this room, Lord. Many are just right on target, Lord. We're living on fire. We're, we're, we're following you, Lord. We're doing everything in, in, that we know to do, Lord. But there are others that are sometimes one foot in, one foot out, up and down in and out and some even worse lord and i know it i know it lord i know you've even showed me lord some things and lord i pray that you grant repentance that you grant repentance and lord this sin of complacency i pray that those those of us that are complacent just decide not to be that today is say, hey, I'm not going to be complacent anymore. I'm about half lukewarm. I'm tired of being lukewarm. I want to get all in. Help me, Lord. Whatever it is, Lord, that we need to repent of, five out of seven churches needed to repent. I assume that some of us need to, Lord. I pray that you will give us grace to repent, and then healing will come, Lord, on your wings, Bless your people. Lord, if we confess and repent, there's no condemnation, Lord. It's just gone. Gone. No condemnation in Christ. Bless your people, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.